Minimalists. <laughs> Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing. That's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'll be fine without it Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Minimalist Podcast, where we discuss what it means to live a meaningful life with less. My name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I'm Ryan Nicodemus, and together we are the Minimalists. Today, today we're going to talk about how to start simplifying. We're going to talk about how to become a minimalist. Are we We'd, starting all over? <laughs> well, some people are, right? <laughs> We're going to talk about some practical tips and rules for decluttering with today's guest. MJ Gordon is here. Thank you for joining us today, yeah. MJ. Thank you both thanks so much, so for, being much here. for having me. It's you our know, pleasure. I, I was first introduced to you thanks to Jessica Lynn Williams. She is our talented social media manager. We call her Social Jess. And uh, she said, hey, you got to check out this gal's videos on YouTube. So we'll put a link to your YouTube channel in the show notes if folks want to check it out. And, uh, you know, today I just wanted to give folks a refresher if they're looking at getting started. If they want to do some spring cleaning in the fall, now's a perfect time to do that. <laughs> it's uh, uh, the end of the year and, um, and, and folks are looking to declutter. Or maybe you have someone in your life and you're saying, hey, I've simplified a little bit, but the people in your life are looking for some ways to simplify. And so maybe you can send them this podcast episode and say, hey, here are some practical tips for simplifying your life. We have a, a caller-driven show, a listener-driven show, and our first question today is from Jay in Arlington, Texas. Hey, guys. This is Jay from Arlington, Texas. I'm moving to a new house soon, and my pack rat wife has caught the downsizing bug way more than me. I know this is a perfect opportunity to minimize, but for some reason, I just can't get excited about it, and I'm the one preaching minimalism. Any ideas? Now, Ryan, this is the, the best time to deal with your stuff because, mm. as you both know, you're, you're forced to deal with your stuff when you're moving. You're, you're confronting literally everything that you own. Now, yeah. I'm guessing Jay might find some things in his attic or basement or garage from the last time they moved and it's still in boxes. <laughs> now, I can tell you the thing that Ryan did was a packing party. You want to talk uh, real briefly about that? Because this is their opportunity to have their own sort of packing party. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my my uh, my Oma, my grandmother, she's going through this right now too. and She's had to move places. So uh, you're packing everything up. When you got all the boxes sitting in, your uh your, your new home just unpack things as you need it that's what that's where i started with minimalism josh was telling me about how he spent months simplifying and you know i didn't want to spend months simplifying i needed like really fast results so i'm like dude i'm just gonna pack everything up and then i'm gonna unpack it as i need it and that's really gonna help me understand you know the things that are adding adding value to my life and it worked it, it was a great experiment totally changed my whole perspective um we called it a packing party because you know if you Packing doesn't sound fun, but a packing party does sound fun. So Josh came over and we ordered some pizzas and uh, I drank some beers. Josh doesn't drink, but, <laughs> but yeah, it was a, it was a fun time. We, you know, had, you know, we were being goofy throughout the whole, whole, whole thing. But with Jay here, how ironic is it that like he's, he's preaching minimalism to his pack rat wife, he says, <laughs> yeah. right? And she's finally like, oh yeah, minimalism. And now he doesn't know what to do. <laughs> now here's the thing. And, and maybe MJ, you can help out with this. He's having trouble getting excited he says yeah and so what would you what would you tell jay well, I, th I think that's understandable first of all 
you know, you've got the stress of all the move. So I understand. But I think also getting excited at this moment isn't necessarily necessary. Mm. So, you know, the extra stress is more than what you need at a time of move. And if you don't feel like it, maybe just think what if, right? Mm. Like just what if I could let this this go? What if I can put some things aside? What are the things that I struggle with? And sort of allocate your things in that manner before you actually let it go. Yeah. And then once all the stress is down, then you can revisit what you feel. I think it's great that his wife is excited about it. <laughs> yeah. She sees all the stuff and she's like, all right, let's do it. And he's like, uh-oh. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. The excitement thing, I know that I struggle with when I need to do work, whether it's writing, whether it's paying taxes, whether it's going to the gym. I mean, when I'm putting in, you know, this this, drud- this drudgery, mm-hmm. um, I sometimes rely on excitement to get me through it. And that's a problem because I can't always get excited about all of these things. True. So for me... Uh, and what I would recommend to Jay is find out what is going to happen on the other side of this simplifying. So instead of looking at it and thinking like, oh, there's all this work to do. I don't know where to start. You know, first off, starting, it just start small. I mean, start one little room at a time. Yeah, but ex- I, except they're, they're, they're packed up at this point. And- oh, they're already packed up. Okay, I didn't get that from her. So. Yeah, so start small. Start small and unpacking room by room. Right. Or you could do what I did with the packing party, unpack things as you need it. That's what I'm trying to talk my grandmother into doing. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, Oma, you you have to, like, if you really, because she wants to hold on to every single thing and she can't fit everything in her new home. And it was like kind of a hurry up, pack and move thing. So I know she needs to get rid of a ton of stuff. And I think she's going to take that approach. But uh, fi- find the benefits of what, of what is going to be on the other side. So um, like I wrote down some things like a Jay, your wife is supporting you. Like this is a great opportunity to help grow your relationship. Like you can focus on that. Um, You will have less stuff to clean. Uh, You're going to maybe make some extra cash. If you're going to, you know, sell some of those items that, that you want to get rid of. Um, Think about the things that you donate. Like that's going to add value to other people's lives. And there are many other benefits that you can focus on. But I know for me, when it comes to, drudging through the drudgery you know that is that is something that has to be done in order to get to that exciting point so excitement doesn't necessarily come first would you guys agree with that absolutely mj i think that that I don't know about you, but for me, decluttering is fairly boring. And, and so it, it, I, I agree that it, it's often hard to get excited about it. Now, Ryan and I have done a few things to make it a bit more fun. You can inject some friendly competition. We have something called the 30-Day Minimalism Game. We'll put a link to that in the show notes. We've had tens of thousands of people play this by adding just a little friendly competition. Yeah. The packing party is another way to make it more fun because you can invite some friends over and you can, you know, as you're unpacking your stuff, you, you can realize like oh most of the things that i packed that i brought to this new home i thought they were bringing me value but it was all imaginary value i'm actually not unpacking most of the things that are just sitting there now in the living room and then i i have an i have a choice i have an opportunity to do something with that excess stuff yeah well and i think when it comes to new home what's exciting about it is you know the buyer's experience, right? Mm. I mean, we're talking about minimalism, but people like the idea of a new home for creating space. Mm. Not only do you have the opportunity to 
do all the things you mentioned, but creating space is one of the, I mean, that's the experience of walking into that home that you want to buy. This is where my bed goes. I love that this looks like a model home. So taking your items and setting them up in that way and then feeling that experience gets you excited to say, hey, I don't need the rest of this. This is this is awesome the way that it is. Yeah, totally. I, I would tell Jay too, the only other thing I would suggest is kind of on the other side of the coin of all this is really ask yourself, Jay, like, what are you afraid of? Mm. Like, what is it that is really stopping you from joining in with your wife with this, uh, you know, minimizing your stuff? Um, I know for me, like the fear that I had, because the packing party, that was easy. The unpacking, that was exciting. Oh, I'm doing something different. When I had to deal with all the leftover stuff, that was so stressful. The fear mm. of letting go. Yeah, it was the fear of letting go, but it was also just the work. It was like, I saw all these boxes, I'm like, crap, I got to like... I got to do donate, sell, recycle. I, you know, I got to have to organize it. And then when it comes time to sell stuff, like now I got to do all the work to sell all these things. And, you know, I had to get clear on what I was, what I was scared of. So uh, maybe identifying those, those obstacles, Jay, and working with your wife to kind of alleviate some of those fears. And you might not be able to alleviate every single one of them. But if you can identify what they are, I mean, that'll at least help you understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling. I do want to talk more about fear in a moment. Jay, I'm going to send you a copy of our book, Everything That Remains. It's honestly my favorite thing that we've ever written. It's uh, the five-year journey that Ryan and I went on from being these suit-and-tie corporate guys in Dayton, Ohio, to becoming minimalists and eventually the minimalists. And part of that had to do with unpacking stuff, but mm. also unpacking the fear mm. that we had throughout the entire journey. So if you enjoy our podcast, I think you'll enjoy the audiobook version of Everything That Remains, or if you want the book book or the ebook version, Podcast Sean will send you one of those as well. Ryan, what time is it? You know what time it is. It is time for our lightning round where we answer questions from social media. Indeed we do. We are at The Minimalists on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. MJ, what, what are your social media handles? At Marin Jaden. All right. All right. We'll put a link to that in the show notes <laughs> as well. Now, during the lightning round, MJ, what we try to do is we try to answer each question with a short, shareable, less than 140 character response, but not really. We ramble on a bit. <laughs> and what happens is Podcast Sean, he tweezes out something beautiful. He puts it in the show notes so pe people at home can uh, copy and share our pithy answers on social media if they'd like. And also, Jessica puts everything over at minimalmaxims.com as well, so you can find all of our pithy minimal maxims in one place. All right. Our first question is from Steven. What is one unexpected result of your transition to a minimalist lifestyle? I love how he didn't ask like, what, what was the unexpected positive result uh -huh. or negative? Cause it could be either here, right? Mm. It, it sure could. MJ, now that you've embraced simple living, do you have any unexpected results, good or bad, or maybe both? Yeah. I just think it's the experience of less is truly more. I mean, I, I used to think when somebody is successful in business, why did they ever stop? And then I get to a place where I'm ready to stop. You know, there's great mm. balance in my life. I have time for things I love. I have patience for the people I love. And it feels amazing. And I think that's something that can't be described in words. You just have to experience it. You're yeah. experiencing enough in a way, where, whereas before it was it was never enough. And I think we never stop, or we very rarely stop to ask, what is enough? And especially in business, the, the, the sort of... Uh, the sort of mantra of most business is infinite growth. Yes. We have to we have to be up year over year, quarter over quarter, week out over week, and and 
and grow, 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 and forsake everything for the sake of of growth, as opposed to saying, okay, what what does enough actually look like? And then when that applies to all the other areas of our life, our homes, our relationships, our money, you know, whatever it might be, identifying what is enough for you. And by the way, that enough will probably change over time. When I first embraced minimalism, I was 28 years old and I'm 38 now with a six-year-old daughter. So my life looks different. And so what's enough for me and my family is, is a bit different from what was enough for my 28-year-old self. My, my pithy answer here is, and I'd like to unpack this as well, but it's uh, minimalism is not unlike a horizon. Once you arrive, a new horizon appears. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. We, we often think like, I'm just going to do my packing party. I'm just going to do the 30-day minimalism game. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to implement the, the, the 90-90 rule. I legitimately thought the packing party was going to solve all my problems. <laughs> and all it did was help me see all my other problems. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so if, if, I guess if I were to answer his, uh, his question directly, it, the, the most sort of unexpected result was I still have problems. Yeah. However... They're better problems to have. And I think maybe that's the key to growth and contentment. We're never going to eliminate our problems. If you eliminate all your problems, your life's going to be really boring because you're not going to have any challenges in life. And so the idea is to have problems still, but Mm -hmm. to have better problems. So when you get to that horizon, there's still going to be the next horizon you're going to want to get to go to. And so simplifying my life, it wasn't like, well, here's the minimalist rule book. Here are the, the 150 items you should own in order to be happy. That, that would be easy, but that wouldn't be simple because it wouldn't be deliberate. And so for me, my life is a whole lot more deliberate right now. Mm-hmm. And, and I continue to question the things. I guess the other thing that was unexpected is it does get easier to question the things in your life. The more you ask the questions, like, does this add value to my life? You, you, you get clear on what is valuable, but you still get infected by marketing messages. I was right. reading uh, uh, the New Yorker magazine the other day, and I saw a Rolex ad on the back. Now, <laughs> I have written an essay about how a Rolex won't buy you more time. <laughs> Yet I see the Rolex. I'm like, wow, that's nice. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I wonder how much that cost. The, the thought in my mind is, I wonder how. I, I don't even wear a watch. Like, what am I doing? Why am I even thinking of this? It it's just the, shows you how good they are, man. They yeah. are so good. Yeah. They're getting us. Do you ever get infected by oh, these totally, these messages? Totally, totally. <laughs> what What are the things that you look at and you're like, ah, oh, I, I should I should get that. Same watches. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, travel. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Cars. Clothes sure. on Instagram. <laughs> For some reason, like that, I see it. I'm like, oh yeah, that yeah. shirt. I'm, I already have <laughs> yeah. shirts. Yeah. yeah. I've yeah. made that mistake too many times already where I see a shirt on someone. I'm like, oh, that's a great shirt. And then I put it on. I'm like, it looked good on that person. It does yeah. not look good on me. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. There was this article once that I read. Not sure how true it is, but I read it and I took it to heart. It said, when you window shop, but you don't buy, it actually increases your happiness. Mm. It's when you do buy that you start dealing with decision fatigue, buyer's oh. remorse, cost, sunk cost, uh, buy, whatever, bias. The sunk yeah. cost fallacy. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Um, so I said, okay, I'm going to try this. I, I took an Amazon wish list. I piled it all in there. I still do this to this day. I go shopping on Amazon, pile it all in there. And I'm like, okay, I'm just going to wait. Six months later, delete, 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 new stuff. And oh, it's just wow. so awesome. But wow. you just overpass all of those negatives, you know? I never even thought about that. Yeah, no, yeah. that's brilliant. Um, it's funny because like, so I, I always talk about getting a Tesla because like being in LA, yeah. they're everywhere. And they're, I really like those cars, you know, zero emissions. I could go on and on. 
um, I had a dream not too long ago that I like just did it. I went out and got a Tesla, uh, you know, took money out of my house fund to go, you know, spend on this Tesla. And I was like, I wasn't miserable, but I wasn't happy. I was like in my dream, I was driving it and it, you know, it's like driving itself. And I was like, this is cool. But like, I just gave up my house for this. Mm. Yeah. And like it was, but, but to Oof. your point, it's like the, the, uh, I like talking about getting a Tesla. I think more than if I actually was to get a Tesla. Yeah. Like to your point, it's, it's like you, you have these things to shoot for and that, you know, will keep your, your energy up or keep your attitude up. And then like, as soon as you get it and yeah. it doesn't give you the result that you anticipated. Yeah. Like I could totally see where that would, uh, it would make you miserable. Whereas not getting it, you still have this like anticipation, which there's something about, you know, us humans that love that, that anticipation, that build up. We, we, we call it the hedonic treadmill of once you get the thing and then you become accustomed to the thing. I mean, we all see it now with the, the iPhone 11 is out mm-hmm. and, and it's like, well, my current iPhone works just fine until they, you know, in, inject the planned obsolescence <laughs> into it right. and force us to upgrade. But the, the whatever phone, it's like, I see that and I'm like, oh, maybe I should have that because there's three cameras on it or what, whatever it is. And I, I noticed that I, I look at that once I get the thing and, and you feel the burst of joy. If you bought the Tesla, you'd feel the, the burst of joy and you probably enjoy driving it, but it still gets you from here to there the same way mm. your 2004 Toyota Corolla yeah, does. Which I only use maybe once a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so uh, you asked a beautiful question. You said uh, about the about giving. I have to give up my house for this. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a question to, to posit with. If I'm going to bring this new thing into my life, what do I have to give up for it? Because yeah. you have to give up money, which is an important resource. But what are the other resources you're giving up? Your time, your attention, your freedom. Mm-hmm. I mean, if if you're buying a Tesla, how many years do you have to work to pay to pay for a Tesla? You know, when we yeah. think about these things, and it may make sense to say yes this makes sense to me i'm going to i'm going to bring it into my life deliberately but understanding what you're parting with will help you make a, a better decision there's I think. something about like working a job that you hate and then rewarding yourself by taking on more debt because you can afford so many debt payments mm-hmm. that forces you to continue to work a job <laughs> that you hate yeah, I'm working a job to pay for the car to get me to the job to pay for the car. Yeah. And it becomes this weird sort of you know, circular problem. Yeah. You know, it's uh, this isn't my pithy answer. It had nothing to do with it. But something you said about the problems that we have in our lives. Like we humans are problem solvers. Like we do need these challenges. And one of the benefits I think minimalism does is you get to choose more problems. Now, sometimes and often we have problems that we can't control. But there are a lot of problems we have that we bring on ourselves. And I, living that deliberate life helps us choose our problems uh, more deliberately, which, yeah. is, which is a good thing. Uh, my pithy answer is this. The benefits, of minimal, the benefits of minimalism are different and plentiful for everyone. I mean, it is, there are so many unexpected benefits. You know, the stuff I was talking to Jay about, you know, just less time cleaning alone. Like, mm-hmm. I just had no idea. I was like, oh, like, yeah, the less stuff I have, I don't have to spend as much time each week cleaning my things. Um, Let's talk about some of those benefits real quick. Yeah. For me, I mean, the first one was was finance. Was finances. Um, I I realized that I made really good money, but spent way too much money, and so I had I made good money, but I was still in debt, and so I, I didn't really have financial freedom. Mm-hmm. 
But then I started noticing a cascade of other benefits. The easier to clean your house is a beautiful one. But um, there, there were so many others. My relationships started to improve. The clothes that I wore, I actually enjoyed more because I got rid of the excess or I got rid of the desire to impress other people with the clothes I wore. And I, I wear clothes that are comfortable for me and that, that I feel good in. MJ, what are some of the benefits you experienced from simplifying your life? I think the biggest benefit I got was lowering my baseline of expectancy. Because let me tell you, when I had a Tempur-Pedic mattress, I couldn't sleep anywhere except at home or else I'd get a backache. Mm. Now that I sleep on the floor, which was an accident, by the way, but we sleep on the floor, I can sleep anywhere. Air mattress. How did you get your husband on board with this or was was it his idea to sleep on the floor? (laughs) You know, honestly, he's probably more minimal practical than I am. He's very, you know, stoic by nature. So he's from Dayton, Ohio. Yeah. He's just on (laughs) on board with anything, right? Dayton, Ohio people are just, you know, super fun like that. (laughs) But that was, that was the biggest thing. It's, it seems really weird, but we lose our resilience to stress when we pander to our comforts all the Mm. time. And I never thought, you know, that I always thought. That is pithy, Sean. I was, <laughs> sold the words out of my mouth. That's, yeah, that's Thank brilliant. Thank you. Well, I win, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. Yes, you do, you do. Well, uh-huh. What are the other things that are similar to that where where you have lowered your threshold for, for comfort, um, but you've improved your life as a result? Ryan and I will often say that the place from which you grow is actually the discomfort zone. When yes. you make yourself a little uncomfortable. What are, what, are, what, are, what are other areas where you've made yourself uncomfortable? Most common one is the gym every single day, right? Mm-hmm. We can all relate to that. Um, but I do things like I have a I have a weighted blanket that someone gifted me and it's so soft. And you know, it's something that I want to wear or use every single night. Yeah, my daughter has one. Oh, do you? Yeah, yeah. It, it's so awesome. But if I sleep with that, just like sleeping on the Tempur-Pedic bed, then I can't sleep with a sheet or anything else. Mm. So I only use it when I'm sick or when I need extra comfort or I'm having a hard time sleeping. And it makes that blanket extra amazing. Oh, it's like a reward yeah. instead wow. instead of an everyday occurrence. Yeah, yeah. So I try it with everything now, mm. you know, cold showers. And so every time I'm like, just a little warmer, no, colder, a little warmer, no, colder. I'll save it for later. You know, I just like yeah. play this game with myself. But every time you get that jacket on or you put that shower up just a little warm, it's just amazing like it's the icing on the cake and they're just simple things yeah i think our comforts are killing us i mean they really are when if if we live if we infinitely nerf our world and and we're all wrapped in bubble wrap all Mm -hmm. the time uh it may seem comfortable but it's a type of prison it's a type of tyranny in a way because we we then expect everything to be comfortable and as soon as some some twinge of discomfort enters our life it we we panic because we don't know how to to deal with it our you know, mm. our, our, our bodies do this um you know like we when we do hot and cold therapy like if you do saunas and cold plunges and and, and that type of thing um you you have a hermetic response to that and, and same with some you know, vegetables that we eat if you eat it's almost like you eat a certain toxin even and, and it's inoculating yourself what it's really doing is it's producing a, a stress response within your body now too much of that is obviously a bad thing but just enough of it just enough discomfort makes you a stronger person it makes you able to deal with with well, with just about anything, mm-hmm. yeah. a lot better than if your life is infinitely comfortable. Well, then all of a sudden, if you're hiking, let's say in Greece, 
because you're saved up and you know want to travel you're not seeing i mean i don't notice that i have a blister on my foot or mm. that i'm a little bit cold and i'm busy enjoying because those discomforts don't hold me back whereas you know say my travel partner who is not used to this kind of approach is complaining about how hot it is and how their feet hurt mm. and you know so those are some of the benefits too not that we're here to you know decrease our our own you know yeah, <laughs> experience yeah. of life but yeah we don't want to deprive ourselves right and it's i mean it's like we're i think what we're talking about is just this balance between being you know deprivation and being completely comfortable mm-hmm. and there is there there is a healthy balance i think one of the best pieces of advice i got when i was in the corporate world is i was like complaining about how stressful my job was and the guy i was complaining to he was like dude you know there are some stresses like there's a healthy amount of stress in life that you do want to have. Now, I would argue that he just wasn't hearing what I was talking about <laughs> with my old job. But what he said really resonated with me. And I'm like, yeah, you know what? Because what happens, well, what happened to me, I got to a point where it was so stressful that I wanted to alleviate all the stress. Mm-hmm. And if I could flip a switch and just be 100% comfortable, that's what I would have done. And I mean, I guess it's kind of what we do, go from one extreme to the other sometimes. But, but yeah, recognizing that there is a healthy amount of stress and finding a way to put that into our lives. Like it's, yeah, it's super important. I, I read a quote recently that said, uh, success is one half stress, one half rest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's what you're talking about with the balance, right? Like yeah. you, you do need those moments of, of, of stress, the, the, the discomfort really, but then you also do need the moments of, of rest or, mm-hmm. or comfort. If you have all stress all the time, you're going to be wildly stressed out. If you're comfortable all the time, you're not going to grow. You're not going to feel successful. You're going to you're going to feel like you're not doing anything with your life. And so you definitely need both. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Carmen writes in, I want to simplify so badly. I visualize it so much I can almost touch it. But then I get paralyzed. Mm-hmm. Really, I cannot act on anything. What's my problem? Decision fatigue, fear, something else how do i break this cycle well so we hmm. we wanted to talk about fear we wanted to touch on fear i think many of our fears are are wildly irrational right hmm. uh I, I think about the fear of letting go ryan was talking about and when we start to articulate some of these fears out loud we realize how silly our fears are i know for me when when uh i actually early on when we started the minimalists.com I did an experiment where I got rid of my favorite shirt and my favorite pair of pants and my favorite shoes because some reporter asked me, like, what, are, what are three things you can't live without? What are your favorite things? And I'm like, well, I can live without pretty much anything, but here are my favorite things. And I started questioning, like, well, wait a minute. Why are these my favorite things? And why would I be afraid to let go of them? And, and the the excuses I put in my head were like, well, people like me more if I wear this T-shirt. When, but when I say that out loud, it sounds like, oh, of course that's not true. Mm. Or if it is true, I'm hanging out with the wrong people. Right. And so my short answer uh, has to do with, with fear here. And, and that is, well, I have two for you. The first one is, you will experience exponential growth if you fill your to-do, le- to-do list with your trepidations. And... I think that's the thing. If you are afraid of something, it probably needs to be tackled head on. Mm-hmm. If you want to be able to deal with it, if sleeping on the floor, you're afraid of that, put it on your to-do list Yeah. Beca- because then you can at least tackle it and you may decide, well, that's not for me. I'm going to go back to having 
uh, a bed, but I'm no longer afraid of doing it once I've done it. My other short answer here is letting go begins with loosening your grip. So if I'm talking to, to Carmen here, right now she has a tight hold on everything, right? I want to simplify so badly. And so even the wanting to simplify, she has a tight hold on. Yeah. I visualize it so much, I can almost touch it. Mm. Tight hold on that even. And so having a tight hold on everything, you don't have to let go right away. You just have to loosen your grip on, on those things. Because if everything is precious, then nothing is precious. And, and you have some things in your life you know you can let go of. And we have some tips and tricks. Uh, you can find our website. I'd love to put a link to the 30-30 rule, the 90-90 rule, and the 20-20 rule in the show notes. Those are three things that I think will, will help you out. Um, the, I'll just go over the, the 2020 rule real quick. We also call it the just-in-case rule. And so, MJ, uh, what Ryan and I found early on is we were holding on to a lot of things, just in case. I'll just, I'll just hold on to this one just in case I need it someday in some hypothetical future. And I was holding on to literally thousands of items just in case I might need it someday. And what I realized is that I could get rid of these things because I'm not actually using any of the just-in-case items. And we can't, the rule we came up with, the reason we call it 2020, is anything that you get rid of just-in-case, you can replace for less than $20 in less than 20 minutes from wherever you are. Now, that sounds like a really expensive rule if you had to use it every single day. I don't want to spend 20 bucks a day. But Ryan and I have been doing this for a decade now. And between the two of us, we've had to use it five times. I can count literally on one hand how many times I've had to replace it just in case items. So it's cost us $100 to use this rule. <laughs> and over the course of a decade, I've been able to let go of thousands of items as a result. So Way less than a storage unit costs. Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. Can you imagine a storage <laughs> unit full of just in case items? That's oh, my nightmare. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> MJ, are there things that, you've, uh, that you held on to just in case? Or maybe do you have any rules that, that have helped you uh, or would help Carmen? simplify and like I had that storage unit I yeah. did yeah it was my husband who was like I wonder how much you've paid for this over the length of time and if it was worth the cost of all the items and it wasn't mm. and that was my first probably real awareness of the minimalism philosophy but um to answer your question I ran into this idea from the essentialism book the essentialist yeah. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and what he was saying was the thing that stuck with me is if if i don't have this item right now would i be willing to pay for it again or what mm. would it what would it cost me to buy it again right now right that that changed my life that one oh, i love it's it really that's good. good ryan you got something pithy for us yeah the pithy answer is this a plan is useless without action so Carmen, you, you got to start somewhere. Mm. Um, I, I agree with Josh. Like, I think I would start with the rules. And some of these rules, like you might look at, like I know an artist, um, they always push back on the 90-90 rule. They're like, well, there are some things I know I'm going to use, probably not going to use them in the next 90 days, but I know that there is a project. Okay, great. If you don't have a rule though, then you're going to hang on to everything. So yeah. maybe it's the 365-365 rule. So Carmen, you know, look at the rules that Josh and I have for ourselves and see if those fit. And if they don't, then make some adjustments that fit for your life. That'll help you at least get a baseline on where to start. But again, you can come up with all the rules and all the plans and all the thoughts. If you don't take that first step, then that plan is useless. So Carmen, start small. You know, you said something, Josh, about her holding on to, uh, holding on to that grip of I just want to minimize now. I know exactly what I you know what I want to do. Uh, that grip 
is, is can be petrifying because she's looking at everything all at once. Mm-hmm. She's seeing the end result of what she wants and all of this work that takes to get there. And that can be very paralyzing. Yeah. Pick, so, a, pick a closer horizon. Yeah, exactly. So instead of looking at, oh, I want this perfect house, perfectly organized, look at your bedroom closet and start with that and be like, okay, how can I make this bedroom closet perfectly organized? Just take little steps. And those every little step uh, you take, it will add up to be something huge. On the the Maximal today, we're going to talk about five ways to overcome decision fatigue and boost willpower. Number three on that list, I I just want to read it real quick. This is from our friend James Clear, uh, because I think this really applies to Carmen. Number three is stop making decisions, start making commitments. And he says, I think advice like, you just need to decide to do it, gets dished around way too much. Yes, of course, you need to decide to do things that are important to you. But more than that, you need to schedule them into your life. And mm-hmm. so that's the thing you were talking about, Ryan, the, having having the plan. Yeah, that's important. But if mm-hmm. you're not willing to actually do something with that plan, then it's a useless plan, right? Yeah. We all have things that we say are important to us. I really want to scale my business. Uh, I really want to lose 40 pounds. I really want to get started on XYZ. Or in Carmen's case, I want to simplify so badly. Unfortunately, most of us hope that we'll have the willpower and motivation to make the right decisions each day. Rather than hoping that I'll make the right choice each day, I found much more success by scheduling the things that are important to me. And he goes on to explain his own schedule. We'll talk about that more on, on the Maxwell. But Carmen... The uh, the thing that you can do right now is you can schedule simplifying into your life. Yeah. What if you were to schedule Monday, Wednesday, Friday, an hour a day for each of those days, and just during that time, it's the only time I'm going to simplify, but I'm going to get these things out of my house. I'm going to use some of the rules we'll put in the show notes, uh, whether it's the one in, 10 out rule, whether it is the, the just for win rule, or the 30-day minimalism game, whatever you want to do, but you're going to spend some time. It's going to be on your calendar, and you're going to take that time every week to simplify your life. It's called chunking. It's just taking these little chunks at a time, not worrying about the ultimate end result, but having it on your calendar right now. All right, before we dive into our added value segment and our listener tips and tricks today, it looks like we got a bunch more surprise questions this week, including what does a minimalist shopping list look like? Ryan, get your shopping list out. (laughs) When starting out, should you focus on external items or internal issues? How do I let go of all the books, magazines, and catalogs I hold on to? I'm going to talk about that because that was something I struggled with. I had a uh, a huge horde of catalogs and really magazines, but also, man, I had like 2,000 books. We're going to talk about that. What if one person in the relationship wants to minimize and the other person doesn't? What are the differences between minimalism and the KonMari method? Also, we're going to talk about MJ's decluttering checklist. She has a whole checklist to help you declutter and much, much more with MJ Gordon. And if you want to hear all that, you can listen to this week's Maximal episode available exclusively on Patreon. That's right. You're currently listening to our weekly minimal episode, but each week Ryan and I record an entirely different, much, much, much longer maximal episode. I think we answer like three or four times the questions on the maximal episode. It's over on the Minimalist's private podcast. That private podcast gives us the private space we need to talk about topics we don't usually discuss in public. Plus, Patreon is the best way for us to fund this podcast, keep it 100% advertisement free. When you subscribe to the Minimalist's private podcast on Patreon, you'll receive a personal link so that our maximal episodes play in your favorite podcast app. 
You can find all the details and all the good stuff, including an additional private podcast episode every week over at theminimalists.com slash support. Ryan, what else you got for us this week? It's time, Josh, for your favorite part and my favorite part. Voicemail comments and tips from our listeners. Check them out. Hi, my name is Becca. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I'm calling with a tip for Tracy, who um, commented in the episode about organization that her pantry was getting out of hand again. And this is a problem I have had also. Um, I've gotten it down to a system. Uh, I discovered that part of the reason my pantry was getting out of hand is because I like adventures in food. So now I have my pantry organized by type. Uh, for me, that, you know, that means I have a shelf for beans, for greens, for, for grains, another shelf for nuts, you know, everything by type. But then I have a special area in my pantry for adventures. Uh, like I like to bake. So I have a lot of flowers and there's a whole section just for different and interesting gluten-free flowers like mesquite flour and coconut flour. And then when that section gets full, I know I'm on a, I put myself on a little bit of a ban. So one time, um, my chocolate shelf got really full. So I was on a chocolate buying ban until I used up my chocolate. I've also had a tea buying ban just to help me really focus on enjoying those items that I have acquired and purchased. So I hope that is helpful tip for you. Um, just to help keep yourself in check with new and interesting foods. Thanks. Hello, this is Lynn from South Africa. I've got a tip for those people that are looking through um, perhaps nostalgic paperwork. I'm looking through my uh, daughter's baby boxes now and seeing what to keep and what to to toss. Um, a good idea would actually just to listen to the podcast while you're sorting through. Um, it can be quite a emotional time and you get wrapped up maybe in your old thoughts and memories, um, and then just to kind of bring clarification again, it's quite nice to be listening to the podcast and saying, and reminding yourself why you're doing this. So that's my suggestion. All right, y'all. Thanks again to MJ Gordon for joining us today. You can check her out at mj-gordon.com. We'll also put a link to her YouTube channel in the show notes. Real quick for right here, right now, here's one thing that's going on in the life of the minimalists. Head on over to theminimalists.com slash wallpapers. I was just on the phone with Dave yesterday, Ryan. Uh, Dave is our talented designer. He's done all of our book covers and uh, actually designed our website. Well, I designed our website. He redesigned it. And um, <laughs> the the only thing I've ever designed is our logo mm-hmm. in my life. It's uh, my one accomplishment. And so I've, I've, I've set aside the masterpiece and I've walked on. You're talking uh, about the minimalists. Yeah. 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 And, uh, but Dave has designed pretty much everything else that we've, we've done, including any posters like tour posters or uh, book covers, movie cover, etc. He's designed it all. Well, we're working on a whole series of wallpapers to help you declutter your phone. We already have a few of them out there right now. There's three or four of them. We have the Love People Use Things wallpaper. We've got the Less Is Now wallpaper. You have Ryan's and my favorite, the minus sign, the subtract sign, the minimalism sign, we mm-hmm. call it. And so I think that's the one that Ryan and I both use is the subtract sign. But then we also have the five questions to ask before buying. So I've, I've, I have this one on my phone currently. I don't know if you've, if you've downloaded it yet, Ryan, but anytime I pull out my phone, it's right here. These five questions I should ask myself before mm. buying. So if I'm standing at, at the checkout line at Target or something and I'm like, okay, uh, can I afford to part with this money? 
Can I pay the actual cost? Will it add value to my life? What are the alternatives? Can I get by without it for a while? Like I, I'm, I need, I'm forced to ask myself these questions and you can download these for free. We wanna help you declutter your smartphone head on over to theminimalists.com slash wallpapers. We're also working on some other ones. Scrolling is the new smoking. That mm. should be up there relatively soon. I think that's perfect for the uh, the smartphone. Ooh, we should do like a no scrolling sign. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you do that. Uh, what is scroll? I, they're probably like a, a hand. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. Ghost, anything with a Ghostbuster symbol over it. Like, yeah. <laughs> the Ghostbuster symbol. <laughs> that actually has a name. I'm, I'm blanking on the name of yeah. it right now. Anyway, uh, theminimalists.com slash wallpapers. You can get all the free wallpapers we have. Oh, we're also working on one. You can't change the people around you, mm. but you can change the people around you. So I think we're going to have seven or eight of them total up there. Oh, plus, it's not just for your phone. It's for your desktop as well. So you can declutter your desktop with any of our beautiful uh, wallpapers. And any of these you can also print out as well. So when you download it, you have the option to also download the eight and a half by 11. So I find the five question one, we've had a lot of people already print that out and put it like by their desk mm, as they're preparing awesome. to hop on to Amazon and, and waste their money. There's five questions for you to ask. So the minimalists.com slash wallpapers, you can find all the free wallpapers there and it will continue to grow. So you can continue to check back. If you have a question, comment or minimalism tip for our podcast, leave us a voicemail 406-219-7839 or send a voice memo the podcast at theminimalists.com. You can comment on this episode at youtube.com slash theminimalists. If you want our show notes in your inbox, sign up for our email list. Just head on over to theminimalists.com. Enter your email address at the top there. We'll never send you any spam, never send you any junk. But you'll also receive our simple Sunday emails. Anytime we write something new, any new essays that go up on the website, you'll get those right there in your inbox. For our added value this week, let's listen to a, a new song from Caitlin Tarver. I, I just stumbled across this gal, and the music, her music is amazing. But this song in particular, it's called Cynical. It's a brand new song. And... And it's, it's just a single. It is a single. Dude, it must be good if you are recommending a you know, single. I don't like singles. <clears throat> oh, yeah, me either. It made me dive into her back catalog because mm. I heard the song and I was like, I was blown away because it perfectly captured the sort of discomfort, the dis-ease we have with um, scrolling through all the pictures on Instagram mm. and feeling inadequate. Mm and then becoming cynical as a result. Yeah. So let's finish this episode with Caitlin Tarver's song, Cynical. And if you leave here today with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. Thanks for listening, y'all. We'll see you next time. I don't know when I got scared Scared of my imagination Used to see beautiful things now I got the sick fixation I'm playing out every single fear I've ever had Scrolling through the pictures, seeing all I don't have Believing every negative feeling is a fact I don't wanna get used to that Why do I beat myself up and tear myself down? I'm so good at being